NXT, New York City. Welcome to Hot 97's Street Soldiers, the hottest talk on radio. Hosted by Lisa Evers. I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can follow me on Twitter at Lisa Evers, Instagram, Lisa Evers, Google Plus, and also Facebook. It's Lisa Evers Official. And what we're focusing on in this episode, the Peter Liang verdict in the Akai Gurley case. A jury of Brooklyn residents found former police officer Peter Liang guilty of second-degree manslaughter and official misconduct for the shooting death of Akai Gurley in the pink houses in November of 2014. Was this justice? The family of Akai Gurley says this was the first step towards justice, but that there is nothing to be happy about with this tragedy. Supporters of Peter Liang say that in some cases and in some ways he was made a scapegoat, that this was a tragic accident that never should have gotten to this level. Community activists in our communities who have been fighting on the issue of police brutality and police excessive force say that this is time that something like this happened, that an officer was held accountable. Right after the verdict was given by the jury, the NYPD fired Officer Peter Liang. Up until that time, he'd been on what they call desk duty, modified assignment, with full pay, and uh, then they fired him right after that. So we're going to talk with our panel about what does this mean for police community relations going forward, and what do they think about the verdict? Joining us in studio here on Hot 97 Street Soldiers, hashtag Street Soldiers, Darren Porcher, former NYPD lieutenant, and Dr. Porcher is criminal justice professor as well, a TV and radio commentator. Also joining us is my son. He's a hip-hop artist and hip-hop activist with the Justice League NYC. And my son, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. We appreciate it. Also with us is Pierre Bazile. He's a former NYPD police officer and has been a criminal defense attorney. We're going to see what he has to say about the legalities in this case. And also joining us, Warren Chan. He's president of the Asian Community United Society, and um, he was is a strong supporter of Officer Peter Liang. Pierre, as the attorney here on the panel, I want to start with you on this. This is a second-degree manslaughter verdict. What did that mean? Second-degree manslaughter, specifically uh, subsection 1 of uh, Penal Law Section 125.15, indicates that if a person causes a death recklessly, that's a manslaughter. I actually don't believe they got the verdict right here, uh, merely because the testimony that I've heard and the facts of this case actually would have supported a conviction to Section 125.10 of the penal law, which is criminally negligent homicide. So basically you think they overcharged it or over-prosecuted it? Well, that's what a DA is going to do. DAs are kind of like NBA athletes. They go big or go home. They are going to charge you with the uh, largest crime that they think that they can sustain. Most of the time, plea bargains are going to be arranged to a lesser included offense. Uh, I don't really know why that didn't happen in this case, because all of the evidence led to the conclusion that this was an accidental homicide, which would mean criminal negligence. An accidental homicide is what it is. Somebody's got to pay. It's not like you're going to walk on it. That being said... Uh, I, the evidence was 
consistent with a class E felony and not with a class C felony. Well, and and this, uh, this this conviction carries a possibility of 15 years behind bars, so it's a pretty heavy duty. Dr. Darren Porcher, what was your reaction as a former police officer, as a somebody who's an expert in criminal justice matters, when you heard this guilty verdict on this heavy charge? And I think this is like the first time in, in probably a decade that we've heard of a police officer being convicted. Well... It was a it was a complete shock to me. I wear three hats in connection with this incident. One, I train recruits as a sergeant in the NYPD's police academy, so I'm very familiar with the protocol. And one of the issues in connection with this was Officer Liang had his finger on a trigger, so that raised question in connection with the jury. On the second end, I was a lieutenant in the Internal Affairs Bureau, so oftentimes these were cases that would have come in front of me to investigate to determine if there was negligence on the part of the officer. And the third component is I am a criminal justice professor here in New. York. So oftentimes, this is a case that has been openly expressed in my classroom. Once again, I said that this was an extreme shock to me because in no way, shape or form did I expect a conviction on a manslaughter charge. However, you also have to take into consideration, Ken Thompson is a first term district attorney. So presenting a case like this, a death in custody, a death by, excuse me, an unarmed individual shot and killed by a police officer, this is, this came on the tail end of the sensationalism of what happened with the Eric Garner case. Which was nothing because there was was no indictment in that particular case. My son, as as a hip-hop activist, as somebody that's been out there on the streets with the Justice Justice League in the Eric Garner case, Michael Brown with with all these cases, what do you think about the verdict? Because Ken Thompson, the, the prosecutor here, the Kings County DA, said he wanted people to understand that Akai Gurley's life mattered, that here was a a 28-year-old man unarmed, minding his business in that project stairwell, and that bullet ricocheted, hit him, and he was dead. I think it's unfortunate, you know, that Mr. Liang was found guilty, but they got the verdict right, you know. This man, this young man lost his life, you know, due to negligence at an officer who was supposed to protect him. As both of these, these men stated, he walked in there with his finger on the trigger. So when you walk in there with your finger in the trigger, you already have the intent to shoot somebody. You didn't walk in the in the in the, the hallway looking to patrol and try to make sure everything was right. You already walk in there negligent. This he wasn't prepared for this job. So his negligence caused someone to die. All right, we're going to talk about that finger on the trigger issue, but I want to bring in Warren Chan. He's the president of the Asian Community United Society. And Warren, you say that there was no justice and this was all politics. Yes, that's how uh, we in the uh, committee feel, that we feel that uh, the conviction was already been decided back in 2013 because uh, we feel that our, our DA, is, uh, he was elected to... Uh, prosecute police officers. But do you feel that Officer Peter Liang, as as some in the Asian community do, that he was made a scapegoat because he's Asian? Yes, that's how we perceive this. He is definitely a scapegoat because he was treated very differently from previous uh, officers because he's not white. In what what ways, for example? Uh, You could say that uh, he is probably the first police officer got actually indicted uh, from Eric Garner's case and even uh, Sean Bell. They were never and police officers even was indicted. How upset is the Asian community about this? Because last year you lost Officer Wenjin Liu in that terrible tragedy um, where they were, you know, where he and his partner were shot and killed eating lunch in their car in yeah. Brooklyn. And then this, how is the Asian community feeling about yeah, we this? We definitely feel very terrible. We, we feel that like uh, we are actually taking the bullets for the NYPD. Uh, Wenjin Liu was suf- suffer for some of the early action committed by the NYPD, and now Peter Liang also s- suffer. 
And you said this has been rough on him too, which is something we haven't heard a lot about in the media. Mm. Well, to his family, it's very rough. Uh, from what I heard from uh, uh, from his mom, uh, uh, Leanne's mom, he have a uh, suicide tendency, and even f- during the week of the trial, he's been banging on his head toward the wall and causing self harm. And even the the night before the uh, verdict was announced, uh, uh, Leanne's mom didn't even sleep the whole whole night just because he think that. Uh, the, uh, Peter would not be able to face what's okay. coming. The, okay, and I'm, I'm going to come to the gun issue, and I'm going to come to come to that. And, it's, and of course, it's been a tragedy for the Gurley family, yeah, for his domestic partner Kimberly Ballinger, and for for their child. But let me ask mm-hmm. let me ask you this: one of the things in the trial that I think really uh, upset a lot of people that were there, and I was there in the court for the for the last for the final week for and for the jury deliberations, was that Officer Liang testified after. After Akai Gurley was shot, he did not try to help him. Instead, he goes to another area with his partner. They figure out who they're going to call. They're trying to call all these different people. And that even when he did go back down the stairwell to where Akai Gurley was, he didn't check his pulse. He didn't check his breathing. He didn't try to stop the bleeding because it was one. the bullet struck right into his chest, one fatal bullet. He didn't do anything that we would think just even as – human beings, let alone a trained first responder, somebody that had CPR in the academy and first aid, that, that bothered a lot of people. Yeah, all just like what Peter said, after he, he just shot someone, he's a rookie, we don't know what's going on. Is he qualified to perform such action? Of course not. Even for a no, normal person, they might not be, even if they are fully trained. Everybody, okay. please jump in, too. All right. One of the things that you have to take in consideration, I understand that there's a human element attached to this that, wow, we have a person that was shot. Now, you mentioned the CPR perspective, chest compressions, things like that affect. I can I can see the officer maybe not committing to those acts. However, the minimum, the first course of action should have been a call for EMS, some level exactly. of emergency service to assist this individual because we clearly have a man shot. That is now, the second component in terms of the department procedural, gu- procedural guidelines, reaching out to a supervisor, there was a fight between calling for uh, a PBA delegate, which is a union delegate, or a supervisor. It's. I understand that he was a very low tenured officer, but that that call to EMS or some level of emergency service was not put into place. My so son, I understand. what about that? Because a lot a lot of people in the community, for for a lot of people that from what I've been hearing too, it, this resonated and this hit a really raw raw nerve with people because it reminded of the that video after Eric Garner where he's just he's just lying there totally motionless and and people aren't even doing like the most basic kind of human contact it show it showed disregard for human life you know when someone and, and and even during the trial he just never said sorry he never seemed remorseful there you understand what I'm saying? when you look at a person and you don't realize that someone has compassion for killing a young boy or it's any level of compassion, your first thing is like, oh, I shot him by accident. Let me go see if he's all right. Let me call somebody to help him. When you don't have those type of reactions to this, how do we believe that you didn't do a Pierre, what about that? Is it take us in the mind of a first responder? And he's a, he's a rookie. He's in a, he's in a, for him, a hot, what he considers a high crime area. I, I've been I've been in his position many times myself. First of all, I don't think it's correct that he didn't show remorse. I think the remorse was evident on his face throughout this. Throughout As, the trial. Throughout the trial. But not according to his own testimony. In his own words. In his own words. In the moments, in the crucial aftermath after Akai Gurley was Correct. shot. In the crucial moments afterwards, there's no question that they didn't immediately call for help. That leads you to a conclusion 
legally of negligence, not intent. Negligence is four elements under law. A duty, a breach of that duty, causation to the injury, and damages, which would in this case would be the death. He clearly was negligent in not calling for help. But again, that doesn't amount to a manslaughter. That amounts to a penal law section 12510, criminally negligent homicide. So you think he should have been found guilty of that or charged with that? I think that was the proper charge here, and I think that's what the evidence sustained in this case. Uh, he's almost certainly going to have an appeal, and uh, one of the grounds for his appeal was the evidence doesn't support the charge he was convicted of, but the lesser-included crime. But did, but what, I just want to ask you, you never answered her question. Do you I think, think he should have been found guilty? I think uh, I did answer that question. I never heard you say that. She asked you a question, and you told would support it. Do uh, you think he should? Well, have been he said like guilty? a guilty of a, of a lesser charge. Of penal law one twenty five okay. of, of a different manslaughter. You to expect a not guilty on a homicide, even an accidental when homicide. When somebody dies, when somebody dies in New York City, no less. Not realistic. Somebody's dead. Well, look at Eric Garner. Well, that's an anomaly. The grand jury made the decision not to indict. I can't say. A man say, is dead. I'm not going to say I agree. It was a misdemeanor arrest. He yeah. wasn't about I'm, to blow up a building. Hey, I'm not going to tell you I agree with it. I'm not going to tell you I disagree with it either because I wasn't in the room with the grand jury. I don't know what caused them to come to that conclusion. But once they do, we're stuck. We have to accept that I decision. know what caused them to come. There was, a, there was a prosecutor, there was a DA that wasn't trying to get a... Uh, indictment. You know, that's, that's the possible. difference in this case. We have a DA that was doing his job. Okay. Let, let me just that's come back. To, let happens. me just come back to this first responder thing, because the other thing too in the trial, which I thought was a little bit incredible, Darren, and as a as a former training, didn't you do training at the police academy? I trained Tra recruits. Trained officers. Are officers trained in CPR? Officers are trained in CPR, and but keep in mind, even if, and I mentioned this early, even if he was unwilling to administer CPR based and on... And you might not want to do that if you got blood coming... Right, exactly. That's, that's it, very because possible to happen. That, but that, but that's still, what, aren't you calling nine, aren't you calling that should have on been your the radio first for an thing. ambulance? That should have been the officer's first, and it just goes back to the human reaction. The first course of action should have been, let me get EMS here to deal with the situation. Like, and do they come faster when a police officer calls? EMS comes fast. when Whenever we have a person shot, whether it's the police calling or if it's a common civilian calling, that's a high priority call for EMS. EMS comes quickly regardless. They're great with that, especially. They, right. Okay, but... but the, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. So so, so the train, whether or not he was trained, he, there's still action he could have taken. Right, exactly, exactly. Because we, 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 we take in consideration this, um, the CPR training. One of the things is chest compressions. I, I could see not doing chest compressions on someone that's shot in the chest. However, at minimum, we should have had that notification made. Now, keep in mind, Officer Liang was trained in CPR. But one thing I, I wanted to- He said to he was given the answers, that he never really mastered the technique, that he was given the answers. That's something, all I can tell you is, from my experience- It doesn't matter. You still know you're supposed to right, call right, for exactly, right? exactly. Regardless Department of that. Department procedure dictates that that's what you're supposed to do. That would have satisfied we just wanna, obligations. We right? want to go back into what actually happened here. This vertical patrol. Officers are trained when they conduct vertical patrols not to have the finger on the trigger. And that's where Officer Liang's tactics Are they wrong. allowed to have their gun out? We did There's this. nothing wrong with having your gun out. Nothing the wrong the reason no. for having your gun out is if you have a if, if there's a perceived danger in your mind, there's nothing wrong with you conducting the vertical and having your gun out. However, the issue was his finger was on the trigger. And the jury mentioned this in that they stated that someone needed to be held accountable because the officer, although he was a rookie officer, 
officer, keep in mind, whenever you use deadly physical force, when I say deadly physical force, meaning a force that causes someone's death, you need to be held accountable when you use that force against anyone. My son. There's one thing I just, I just want to go back to something because he has stated something and I, and I wanted to say something about it earlier, but I never got to get in. And he's saying that he felt that he was a scapegoat. And you know that other officers and they have been going through this. So you would basically what you're saying that he should have been given the same privilege that the whites are given to kill us without accountability. But that, that's not what we're, we're saying. Just that we we feel but it's we very unfair. But if you, it can't be unfair if 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 a man's life was lost and he was convicted of killing him. Then where's the unfairness in that? With unfairness is that. Because he, white people haven't, the white officers who doing haven't been held accountable. So yeah. you feel he should get the same privilege that the white officers get to kill us without accountability. Do you feel that the other white officers should also be treated the same? Oh, so that's what I'm trying to say. So yeah. the problem shouldn't be that he was convicted. You should say, okay, he was convicted and he did something wrong. So now let's start convicting the same white officers when they do the well, same Warren, thing. Warren, when you just explain mm -hmm. a little bit for us, when when you when you say that he, mm -hmm. you feel he was treated unfairly, help us understand from your perspective. Well, you could say that uh, from w what we see from the unions, even from uh, the elected officials, there was no no support. I, but when when, uh, uh, when when we see uh, put uh, let let put let let put it this way that the Brooklyn DA, he instead he was elected to be uh, to to do to the to, to do, do his job. job. Yeah, but. When it comes to elected officials and other uh, Chinese elected officials, there was no, no support. Why was there there's no support? Are there political retaliation or backlash? So, or just, maybe, or just maybe they tired of covering up and they, they starting to really, wanna, they yeah. just don't want to be involved. Yeah. That's I don't what know you mean if, in terms of. I don't know if political support would quantify what happened in a courtroom because ultimately this decision was in the hands of the jurors. I mean, outside the politicians or even the union members can make these statements, but the the members of the jury are tasked with coming up with a verdict. So it's really difficult to quantitate as to there being a racial connection here. I can understand it possibly if it was a bench trial. When I say a bench it's trial, meaning if there was a if there was a judge and you were able to find some type of qualitative information that the judge was maligned to this particular decision. But I just don't see it. Now, this is just my perception. That doesn't mean yours could be different. Let me just Can't let me just different. get my son's thoughts on this. Were, was there a sense? What was your sense when you heard the verdict? Were you how did you feel? I mean, it, there's a there's a young boy whose life was lost. Someone has to be held accountable. It just is sad that this one officer who probably accidentally killed someone is the first person that was convicted of it. He killed someone. He should have been held accountable. And, and the DA did his job, and that's why he was held accountable. But there are officers who have blatantly did things that were murder that haven't been convicted. So as, as you celebrate because a life was lost and someone is convicted of a crime, you also want to have people who have done things with malice be held accountable for those same crimes. Yeah, that's the, I in, in terms of the community, that. in terms of the, in terms of what we might call the temperature of the community, the, the temperature of the activists like yourself on this issue, how does this change it for you? I mean, it changes us because we understand what it takes for us to get convictions. We have to have DAs willing to do their jobs. And that's what we're telling our community. When we elect these officials, when we put people in office, and when we come to these meetings and we protest and we do these things, we get changed. We put people who have our 
needs in their minds and their hearts when they go into these they're trying to get convictions because they understand that crimes are committed we don't have DAs that's running circuses that's asking the questions that have nothing to do with the case that are confusing juries we also have to be on juries we have to understand because we are dealing in these communities we understand what's going on in these communities well, the, the, prosecu the prosecutor who actually did the case Joe Alexis the head of the trial bureau for the Brooklyn DA's office he also presented a very strong case and very clear. He may have also done something that was impermissible. Uh, I was reading an account from uh, Assemblyman William Colton that came out shortly after the uh, conviction. And Assemblyman Colton indicated that he was disturbed because the prosecuting attorney made a closing argument to the jury implying that the shooting was deliberate and that Officer Liang pointed his gun at the victim when none of those facts were adduced at trial. And uh, so that's disturbing. That's going to be grounds for appeal right there. You're not supposed to be arguing things that are not fact to the jury in closing. That's one thing that's disturbing. And uh, there was also, as far as him saying the weapon was pointed at Mr. Gurley, I think the evidence demonstrates that there was a ricochet. Nobody's disputing that. Nobody right, and that's yeah. important to point out too. Nobody the, the, can predict. He was on a landing, right. and, and the a bullet Darren, ricocheted. And Darren will confirm that for you. No human being can predict what a ricochet is going. But to that be was another Absolutely. big issue in the trial too. Was his finger was on the trigger, and and that you take mm -hmm. Darren, how many pounds of pressure? Eleven point five. Eleven and a half pounds of pressure to push the trigger. So the gun just doesn't well, go I, off. I can't. I can't tell you that the strategy the defense decided to take in this case is the one I would have taken. Their story was the gun just went off. I don't know whether or not they pursued aggressively a plea bargain for him to the lower included offense, but I, the story, the gun just went off. I, I would have a hard time putting that before any jury because I don't think you can get any jury to just buy that. Oh, it just went off. Nobody's going to go along with you on that. Story is, this was an accident. What would you have gone with? More, more that he had mental distress? That no, he panicked? Not, that not he mental had, distress. It that was he freaked out? Clear accident. He I, didn't intend for this to happen. Uh, but if your finger's on the trigger, something's going to happen. That is criminal negligence, not manslaughter. Let me give you an example of a difference between recklessness, which is manslaughter, and criminal negligence. Recklessness could be shooting a gun into the dark, not knowing what's there, bang, not caring if it hits somebody or not. That's reckless. Walking down a hallway with your gun out, which is permissible, nothing wrong there. Putting your finger on the trigger, not so much. An occupational hazard if your finger on the trigger is a possibility of an accidental discharge. All right, Pierre, I gotta cut you off right there because we need to take a short break. We're gonna continue talking about this issue about the finger on the trigger because that was critical to the to the trial and also a lot of people believe critical to what the jury's guilty verdict was. You're listening to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about the Peter Liang verdict, the Akai Gurley case. Was justice done? What does this mean moving forward in terms of police community relations? We're also going to break it down for you, Race 101, how that played a role or did not play a role in this particular case. We'll be right back after this. Yeah, yeah, what up, what up, what up? This is Styles Peter Ghost, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people, only on Hot 97. Yeah, Ghost told you so. Welcome back to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we are continuing our discussion about the Peter Liang verdict in the Akai Gurley case. Was justice done for the first time in years? 
years, a New York City police officer, he's since been fired, was found guilty by a jury for actions he took while on duty. And let me introduce our panel, uh, Dr. Darren Porcher. He's a former NYPD lieutenant and criminal justice professor, TV and radio commentator. Also with us is hip-hop artist and hip-hop activist, my son. Also joining us, Pierre Bazile. He's a former police officer and criminal defense attorney. And Warren Chan, he's president of the Asian Community United Society. We're talking about the finger on the trigger. Yes, we are. They're not supposed to. Darren, when right. the cop has a gun, Whenever explain, an, we can't demonstrate it because it's radio. Right, right. But no, I can, I can verbally uh, explain it. Whenever an officer removes his gun from his, uh, I shouldn't say whenever, in an instance such as this vertical patrol, the officer's finger should have been on the slide of the gun. That's the side just above where the trigger is. If there's an That's action. That's the long straight part on top right, of the barrel. Exactly. Okay. If an action dictates a dangerous condition where the officer deems it's necessary to fire his or her weapon, then the finger can come down to the trigger and, pull the, and, and the officer can fire the weapon. There's nothing wrong with the officer having their weapon exposed. But once again, the issue here from a departmental perspective was the the finger was on the trigger. Now, let's go into a lot of these stairwells. Let's say let's take in, um, the pink houses, for example. It's an area in um, in East New York. People may perceive this as a high crime neighborhood. Keep in mind, oftentimes we hear these terms, high crime neighborhoods. The majority of the people that live in the pink houses are law abiding citizens. However, it's an aberration. When I say an aberration, meaning a small amount of the people that, that within that population that choose to commit crimes. It was okay for the officer to have his his finger on his weapon. Oftentimes you see that these stairwells are dark, and we've had violent instances that officers have partaken in, uh, excuse me, have been the victims of within these stairwells. When we think about the um, officers being shot, we look at the Officer McLean case, which was, I say, a quarter mile away in Brownsville houses. These things do happen. However, you also have to take in consideration the optimum reason why you're there is to protect the public. Granted, you need to protect yourself, but protecting the public is of optimum importance. So when you have these dark stairwells, when you have um, increments on the stairs however it's okay for you to have your weapon out but the key the, the chief reason that i have an issue with this case is the officer's finger was on the trigger and that's where it all went wrong but um Pierre Brazil mentioned that, you know, the, the the variations in terms of the criminal charges that come into play, you can either agree or disagree with that, but nothing changed. As the gentleman sitting to my left mentioned, we have a man that lost his life. We do need to have a level of accountability. Unarmed, who was not who was in unarmed. the process of committing a crime. And then the people want to see something. I mean, yes, we're people within the city are sick and tired of seeing people that are unarmed that are killed by the police. And once again, it came on a tailspin of what happened Eric with the Garner. Eric Gardner case. And, and Michael I, Brown. Right, Michael Brown. Well, Michael Brown was something that happened out of the city. between this one and the Michael Brown case. But true, okay, true. Okay, Eric Garner, okay. Right, right. But, but once again, it comes to people in this city feel that there's a need for police accountability. And though you can fall on either one side or the other with this, I think that this is a case where the jury did. Um, tat, the jury was tasked with accountability, and that's what they came through with the true bill, the indictment, and the ultimate conviction. Now, look, with, look, with I, Officer Leanne. interrupt you, so forgive me. Sure. For no, go ahead. Don't you, do can't, it again. you can you can interrupt. It's this, three this is this is probably going to lead to a change in how they do vertical patrols. I've done thousands of them myself. I'm is sure it has as well. Something that but I, what can change? You're, you're up what, a stairwell. Here's what can change. And yes, there are many law-abiding citizens, but everybody yes, who knows in housing knows that at the top floor, the top landing is where it goes down. Here, here's what can 
change. This is something that I used to do. Now, some of my colleagues didn't like when I did this, but this is one of my techniques to make sure that I came out of there alive. When I went out there, I would immediately announce my presence. Police, anybody there? Now, most people don't like that because if there's somebody doing dirt in that hallway, in that stairway, he's going to disappear. For me, that was a win. If the guy runs, that's a win for me. I'm cool with that. That might be something that they might want to look at when you enter that Instead stairway. of the sneak attack training Announce that they have now where turn Police. your radio down, yeah. tiptoe. Police, anybody there. If that chases the bad guy away, put a check in the wind column. Well, okay. you know what, Pierre? Another point that we, we failed to uh, discuss was his taxes coming into the stairs. He had a gun in one hand, a flashlight in the other. And with one of, the, it, it, one of these hands, he, oh, he tried to open the door. That is a very, um, I don't want to say a clumsy way of doing things. Now, granted, this was uh, a junior officer. However, tactically, his tactics were unsound in stepping into that stand. And, and also, exactly. too, the, the, the NYPD since this incident, and, yeah. and some people believe as a result of this incident, they've changed that Operation Impact, which yeah, it was so a part of, where they would put rookie officers Darren, in high-crime areas. Darren just hit it on the head. That was a mistake. I remember when I was a rookie, they used to occasionally send us out by ourselves without an experienced officer. That wasn't sound. For a while, in the late 90s, early 2000s, they really stopped doing that. And you always had uh, junior officers paired with experienced officers so you could show them the ropes and show them how what to do. Yeah, let me interrupt you it. on that. So so these are all MRP tactics. And these are, wh why was this everything was blame, blame on Peter Lier? There's something wrong with well, the tactics that was no, and he had a partner. Mr. Lang's yeah. partner was a rookie like him. Both didn't officers have a lot of time. were rookies. Yeah, so Neither of them should have been together. There should have been an Well, they've changed that. They're, and they, that's they're one changing thing that more, they can change for the good. But they have yeah. changed, or they say they're going to change that policy. And that's of, positive. They're going to assign the rookie officer with a more and, experienced and, and, officer and, 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 that's comfortable in the community. And they're going to keep the officers in the community because the other problem with that Operation Impact was. The people, the police officers were new mm -hmm. and they did not get a chance to know the community. The way the NYPD is doing it now, they say, is putting these officers with an experienced officer and keeping them stationed within a precinct see, so, that they're, more, so that they're more familiar with but the neighborhood. But you know what? I, just to say one thing. Hold on. Rick, give me one sec. The Kelly administration was very, very, very much forward on that Operation Impact. As soon as police officer, excuse me, as soon as Police Commissioner Bratton came into play, that was one of the things that he was diametrically opposed to. He stated specifically, upon being named the commissioner, he was going to eliminate that impact and he was going to have seasoned officers patrol with the junior officers. Commissioner Bratton was the commissioner when this happened. Therefore, this was absolutely against what he introduced to us as a population of his method in policing in connection but, but with right the Right now, impact. Peter Lang is Sorry. being blamed for all of these. Well, he's but not being blamed for all is, that. He's yeah. being blamed because somebody died. It, exactly. A homicide. You have an unarmed innocent a man. Homicide. A homicide, even accidental. Yeah. Somebody should, should has he to be paid. Like, of course he should. Yeah, he should pay. It's like everybody else like before him. Supposed to be didn't, blamed for pay. the whole thing. I, I don't think he's being blamed for the whole thing. Be, some of the blame should be goes to the MIPD or even that. They don't should be. Well, they I think should, there's they major lawsuits the, that are happening. I, exactly. I, I, I think, think the procedure. I think the blame. 
I think they're the Should he do 15 years in jail for this? I don't, I don't know. Listen to me. I know people who've done 20 years for less than this. So we have to be realistic. We have to realize that the same justice and the same law that we have to abide by that that um, prosecutes us, they have to deal with the same I, things. When I you break the law, there is a crime. I did 7 to 14 years for a crime I never committed. And that's neither here nor there. But that's how the law goes. When you could, they find you guilty of a crime, they give you a time that they feel is suitable for you. If they feel that based on the crime he committed in the, in the, in the statute says 5 to 15 and give him 15 years it may be unfortunate but this is the law and we have to understand that when you do crime that you have to be accountable the same way that the citizens of New York and anybody else are there's one thing that's pretty significant a lot of people don't uh, I don't know one of Mr. Liang's attorneys used to be an NYPD deputy commissioner that to me doesn't sit quite right. I don't know how uh, sound her loyalties to his cause were. Just my opinion. I don't know. But uh, that being said, I don't know how aggressively they pursued a plea bargain for him because I don't think he's taking the whole blame. But I do think well, the he partner was, was given the partner. The partner was given immunity. Let, let's talk about let's talk about the the optics of the you know what we we'll call the optics of the case too. The judge is Asian American. Correct. The jury, which surprised a lot of people, was predominantly white. There was uh, there was one African American on the jury. His name was Mr. Screen, Mr. Carlton Screen. He indicated on the 13th of February to Daily News that they did not want to convict Mr. Liang. They felt sorry for him. They felt sympathy for him. But somebody had to be held accountable because there was a death. But why that, didn't they go down the charges? Because explain to us, Pierre, when the, when the jury, if, if I understand correctly, the jury was given these five charges. Right. The top one is the manslaughter, which I he was convicted one, I think the top was one was criminally... I think the top one was second degree second murder. Second degree ma no manslaughter. I think it was indicted for second degree murder. murder. But the charge the charge the, the charge that the jury was to consider was second degree manslaughter. Uh, that was the top one. I, I don't I wasn't in the room. I don't know I was. if the, I, did they get the criminally negligent homicide yes, charge? Yes, that was down there too. So they they had That's, a list of five they, they had a list of five right. charges, the lowest one being the official misconduct that they could consider. And what the judge said to the jury was start at the top which was manslaughter. Correct. If you find him not guilty of that, then you go keep down to going the next down one. the list, correct? And then it, you know, you go down because you can't find him of a guilty of right. They two, can't two find charges two. for the same same crime. That is correct. That being said, why they didn't go down to the lesser charge? Uh, not being in the room with them, I don't know. I'm probably guessing the jury, being lay people, didn't grasp the law and the difference between recklessness under law and criminal negligence under law. Because if they did... Uh, I don't know. I mean, they explained it, they, and yeah. then they came in back... In regards and, to the jury, I also want to... Three times. I want to call, call this out. Uh, it's a wake-up call for the Chinese, uh, for the Asian community. It's kind of like a very sad thing that Asian community rarely try to go to jury duty. They kind of find it as a burden. But I think it's time. It's a wake-up call. I think you Asian could say that for our, our hip-hop. No one likes to do My son, what about that? That's exactly what I was just saying to you. Like we, There's a wake-up call that we have to go out and we have to sit on these juries. We have to vote for these DAs. There's a wake-up call. There is definitely a racial component that's involved. In this case, I don't think so much because there was a, just a DA who did 
his job. I think that we have to have DAs that do their job. I think that the whether they're white, black, whether they're white, black, Asian, I think the police, I think the police department has to do better training. They have to do better screening. They have to make sure that these officers are prepared in these situations. And and then we'll have then there'll be a a regular justice. But right now it's just is there is a hierarchy, and we understand that. And if we ignore that, Darren, what do you think about? You gave me a question before that I didn't get the answer. Why didn't the jury go to the lesser charge? Uh, juror number nine, when he spoke to the Daily News, specifically said that he felt for Lang. He didn't want to convict him, but somebody needed to be held accountable. Now, if we go back to what Assemblyman Colton said, that the prosecutor argued facts that were inconsistent with the evidence, that would be enough to confuse a jury easily. So that's going to be grounds for appeal there, that he was over-convicted. I mean, they, they are going to appeal the conviction. He's, his next court date is in April, so we haven't heard the end of this case. But, Darren, in terms of what, what do we learn? You're the, you're the professor also. Put your professor hat on. What do we learn from this case moving forward here and in terms of community relations? Because there's still that sense that people feel, especially in public housing, our lives don't matter. You grew up in public housing. Well, I, I mean, as a resident of public housing in the past, I can understand the community feels that this is not enough. I've, they've even protested after the fact, which I kind of couldn't understand because we had a conviction here, but they still protested. Um, the police side, they need to work better. They, they, they need to have, they need to force the better police and community relations in these um, underserved communities, such as the housing projects, but also housing developments. But moving forward in terms of what are they going to do? How are they going to connect? He mentioned, the gentleman to my left mentioned that there was a training issue. I don't think that this was a training issue. I think that this was an office, this was an aberration on the officer's part. No, this was an accident. uh, The policy, yeah, exactly. This was an accident. That was what the defense said. It's an accident, not a crime. Not quite. They said the gun just went off. What happens is It didn't just go off because he clearly pulled the trigger, the reason why his finger was on the trigger. But once again, the policy was you should not have your finger on the trigger. So the policy was sound. and we, up there. Yes. Right. So I think everybody that, agrees with that. I think he'd even. Admit and that goes back to what I mentioned, that this was an aberration. These vertical patrols, if you look at what the policy in a patrol guide is, it's pretty sound. You walk to the top of the building and you walk downstairs. It says nothing about you having your finger on a trigger. You'll never have a policy that states when you can have your finger on a trigger because it's based on the officer's dis- discretion when he or she perceives an element of danger. But why was this a. The decision was made when there's two rookie officers. Why wasn't he paired with a veteran? All right, you have a valid point, and this is what I spoke about earlier in connection with Bratton stating that he would well, have a scene that. an officer there. That, yeah. make that was something that was already... It's not common sense. And that's the biggest it was supposed that, to be you're in You're not going to have a, a two, two brand new uh, medical students you're not gonna have, doing surgery you're not gonna have on two, a... You're not going to have two Asians that are not familiar with the community that come to a community with a preconceived notion of what goes on in this community, and you put them in that type of situation. That is Wrong on the, that's negligence on the side of the department also. What? That's why we have to have we have to have officers who are from the community, who have relationships with the community, who have can build relationship with community, understand the community. That don't think everybody in there is an animal. That you, if you see somebody move, that you have to shoot. What you have, that's son, what do you think this case? But do you, do you think this case? Because we talk about this. I feel like we talk about this after every case like this about to be on a jury, you have to be registered to vote, which a lot of people in our communities are not. Are, not. are under registered, especially in our 
hip hop community. The um, do you think this will change? People will see a direct connection. Like if you're registered to vote, if you sit on one of these juries, you can affect the outcome of these cases. Absolutely think, not. People think, will not do it in these I communities. I think that we have to create. They the should. Narrative. I think that we have to push that narrative. I think that we can't just say, okay, there's a guilty verdict. We have to explain why there was a guilty verdict because Ken Thompson was put into office to do his job. We have to explain that there were jurors on there that understood the law, that understood what's going on in these communities, that understood what's going on with the police relations. We have to put, we have to sit on these juries and understand that you just saying, all right, I'm tired or I don't want to deal with that. It's not going to do anything to help us. It's not going to do anything to get justice. The average person goes out of their way to avoid jury duty. That is accurate. And so that this is. is not an incident that's going to cause a revolution in an overwhelming majority of African-American Latinos to register to register to be on uh, to partake in jury, jury jury duty proceedings. However, I think one of the key things is and you mentioned this earlier, Lisa, in terms of the, the fostering of the police and community relations. The people in these communities have to come together as a mass, even as, as the gentleman mentioned, the supporter of Officer Peter Liang. They have to come in mass and they need to make their voices heard. Now, if it comes to, like he mentioned, the uh, the elected officials, you need to put people in play that you're comfortable with that will forward your agenda. Warren, is this a wake-up call to the Asian yeah, community? The Asian community, numbers-wise, is, I think, what the fastest or definitely one of the fastest-growing ethnic populations in the city. Yeah, outside, outside of Asia... Uh Right now, we have in New York City the largest uh, Asian populations, and it's really uh, very upsetting that we do not have someone that look like us, that understand us, to represent us in Brooklyn. And even right now, welcome um, to the club. <laughs> uh, we we have that in in other bars such as Queens and Manhattan. I do not know why they didn't speak up and they did not say anything. The thing is, they cannot change what happened. It happened, it's done, and they can't change it. What they can do is try to put something in place so that it doesn't happen again. And I think they've already done that. They're trying to put uh, the experienced officers in with the less experienced officers. Right. But they That's said that they were already going to do that when Bratton came in. That was one of the first things that he said. And this is a and clear deficiency in what he that. stated he Correct. introduced earlier. And But they're doing it now. So... Rather than look back, let's be perspective. They're doing it now, right? And that's all you can do. All and Knight just says that they're that they are working on getting cameras in the stairwells, you know, and cameras, also lighting better lighting in all the stairwells. Are like the greatest thing in the world, really. Cameras really are the greatest. Thing. The, but they're not a one fix solution. They're not a one fix solution. Need to have more to it. Need the boots on the ground. But those cameras are great because cameras are, have a real discouraging effect. Like Grant houses activity. in Harlem, they have that closed circuit TV system. They, they have them they all over, a child molester all over the, the elevator. Bronx. Yeah, Cam cameras are great because they really discourage that kind of activity. Because if from people know, out or waiting if people know they're going to be filmed, they're going to be caught on camera. They're gonna I don't be think it's just the cameras. I think they work. The, I think when someone is found guilty after they get seen on cameras, because. You know, after Eric Garner was choked on camera and nothing happened. You know, what happens, the reality of the situation is there is an infrastructure that we realize is there. And this was the first time that that infrastructure was challenged. This was the first time in a while that there was a DA that said, I'm going to do my job. And I'm going to make sure that someone is held accountable for murder. And that's what has to continue to happen. Well, and we got to no, put Ken, Tom, for Ken, Thompson, this was not a Ken Thompson said that this was not well someone who lost taking, their life taking the law, I, I responsible apologize. for the loss of life. And loss Ken Thompson said he is not anti-police; that he is is against what happened here and wanted to seek seek justice. You could for easily foresee that coming. Somebody has been killed, even accidentally. Somebody has to be held accountable. That's just public policy. 
My son, what has what needs to happen now in terms of our community, our listeners, our Hot 97 our audience? Our community, we have, to, we have to continue to push the narrative that we have to put people in office. We have to sit on these jurors. We have to continue to talk about the things that are going on in our communities and do the things to help our communities. We can't sit around and say, hey, they not doing it. We have to do it ourselves. We have to go out and vote. We have to, when we go to jury duty, we can't call out. We can't, we understand it might be a little inconvenience, but we have to do, we have to inconvenience ourselves in order to receive justice, in order to be recognized, in that order to. is accurate, yes. Darren, Dar- yes. what about mo- moving forward, what has to happen? In terms moving of police policies that you see? Police policies, it, there's a constant revolution in connection with how these, pro- these policies are going to be revamped. It's unfortunate, but situations like this do dictate a turn in police policy. I do see some revisions in connection with the department policy associate attributed to conducting vertical patrols. But as my son mentioned, we do this in, in numbers. We need to vote the proper individuals into office. Our constituency base must be strong moving forward. All right. I want to thank all of our guests for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Dr. Darren Porcher, a former NYPD lieutenant and criminal justice professor, hip-hop artist and hip-hop activist with Justice League NYC, my son, criminal defense attorney and former police officer Pierre Bazile, and the president of the Asian Community United Society, Mr. Warren Chan. I want to thank all of you for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. And of course, I've got to thank uh, my whole team, Lisa. I want to thank everybody uh, working on those you know, I call it street cinema, all those web series. Uh, congratulations of Money and Violence. Congratulations to Project Heat. Congratulations, Mayhem. Double up in Harlem. Everybody, uh, we're going to be talking with you guys more in the weeks ahead as well. But I uh, did a nice story with all that on Fox 5 News. So thank you all very much for your help and support with that. Thank you to my whole team, executive producer Tone Capone, associate producer Rose Daniels, producer Mia Bell, on the boards and on the on the ones and twos, the one and only DJ Michael Medium, uh, digital assistance from the one and only T.J. Charles, and also our digital creative director, the amazing, incomparable Jeffrey Thacker. So big shout out to you. You know why, Jeff. Anyway, um, thank everybody here at Hot 97.2. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. And remember, Twitter, at Lisa Evers, the Gram, Google Plus, and Facebook. Use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Push for peace.